Hey everyone, this is Brian. Just want to let you know that there were some sound issues with this week's episode. In an effort to try and make the quality of the show better, we somehow made it worse. But we still think this episode is super funny, so please enjoy, and we will be back next week, better than ever. Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot! That's right, it's The Boot! We are recasting classic movie reboots... So Hollywood doesn't have to. I tried to throw sequels in there, but it didn't work. It is sequel month on the pod. For the next four weeks, we'll be talking about some of Hollywood's most notorious sequel disasters. This week, Kenna and I go back to the island with 1997's dinosaur catastrophe, The Lost World, colon Jurassic Park, starring Jeff Goldblum, Julianne Moore, Vince Vaughn, Pete Postlewaite? Yes. And Arliss Howard. Kenna, this sequel... Stinks! It's really bad. It's so bad. It's a really bad movie. Can we fix it? Yeah. Yes, we can, said Bob the Builder. Si se puede. We could uh, head back down to Lagoon. And do what? Sit out in the open next to a, a heavily used water source and, and hope that your captain decides to come back for you. Oh, he won't do that. He knows better. And we head for the village. We might find some shelter and we can call for help. Rex just fed, so he won't stalk us for food. Just fed? I assume you're talking about Eddie. You might show a little respect. The man saved our lives by giving his. Then his troubles are over. My point is the predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. No, only humans do. Oh, you're breaking our heart. Saddle up! Let's get this movable feast underway. Where do we start? Uh, I, 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 I... For a cast this talented, for a screenwriter this acclaimed, for a director this... Spielbergian, this movie just stunk. Yeah. I wrote this down. What's the plot of this movie? And then I immediately wrote, to sell toys. <laughs> this Well, it, this movie is an attempt to be King Kong, but King Kong, it is not. Like, there is a shot of a Humvee, like, dukes of hazarding its way through the jungle. Like, Spielberg lost his damn mind making this movie. It's insane. Guys, if you're new to the boot, this is a movie reboot podcast where my co-host, Kenna Trent, and I, Brian Flynn, pick a movie and discuss how this movie would be remade in today's setting. However, we've generally had this rule where we're not going to pick movies that are currently in development, being remade, or, or, or going down the sequel tracks, or, you know, franchises like Star Wars and yada, yada, yada. Well, this month, we decided to throw that out the window and talk about some sequels that are definingly bad. Yes. And this week we picked The Lost World Jurassic Park because it notoriously seemed to lack the magic and and marvel that the original had. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about this movie. We're going to pick five characters and reboot it as if the series of Jurassic Park movies never happened. Yeah. And they decided to make this movie right now. But before we do that, we have so much actual reboot news that I don't really know <clears throat> what to do with myself. Up first on the docket, Anna Lily uh, Amirpour mm-hmm. is directing a female-fronted remake of Cliffhanger. Now, I'm not a huge... I'm not well-versed in the Cliffhanger mythos. Um, I You are big on... No. What's the... What's, what's, What's the mountain movie that you... Uh, vertical Limit. Vertical Limit. Okay, my <laughs> uh, my apologies. Different uh, climbing movie. But Anna Lily uh, Amirpour is a fin... I loved her movie when a, 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 woman, girl, a walk, girl walks home, a home, at home night. alone at night. Yes. <laughs> um, which was a vampire love story set in 
sort of like a war-torn Iran. Yeah, beautiful. But I think it was shot in Orange County. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, it was shot somewhere in Southern California to, like, look like Iran, which I thought was amazing. Hmm. And it was just one of the most, like, original movies that I had seen in a long time. I think I saw this, like, two years ago. So I am peaked. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I think the thing that led me to pick this article was that when I saw it, it was somebody posting on Twitter and saying, who who do they put in this movie? Who in a in a female-led version of Cliffhanger, who is um, Stallone? All right, the legend's too far. Take this rope and pull it apart and tie it together. We're going to rappel down. This rope is 60 years old. Will it hold? Don't think so. Bad answer. Charlize Theron comes to mind. That's viable. <clears throat> um, that's marketable. That's marketable. Um, see, I don't know the movie very well. I don't know the character, but like. But I think if it's like a if it's like a rock climbing movie, which is very very hot right now, we all saw Free Solo. Also, it's Everest season, so <laughs> everybody's just waiting for their for their weather window, guys. Oh, Emily Blunt comes yeah. to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are a lot of usual suspects. I'm trying to like Tessa Thompson. It's, she's now sort of always going to be in that conversation. I'm trying to think of like maybe someone a little off the beaten path. That's like sort of how we make this podcast is like who who is an interesting choice rather than mm-hmm. like who have we seen before? Yeah. Um, but I don't have all night. So <laughs> And it know. takes us forever to do it this. It takes me a full week to do one of these Separately. Things. So maybe this was a fool's errand. Okay. What's next? Hellraiser. Is being rebooted by Spyglass with David S. Goyer writing and producing Hellraiser, Clive Barker, 1987 horror classic. Have you seen it? No. No, it's crazy. <laughs> um, it is uh, about a man who opens the door to another dimension. We see his body f- get torn apart. And then we see him slowly. He has his brother's wife find men for him to kill so he can recreate his body and they can be together but the portal to the other world is run by this by the Cenobites (laughs) most notably Pinhead who you have definitely seen I know Pinhead you solved the box we came now you must come with us taste our pleasures oh no tears please it's a waste of good suffering wait his brother's wife does the murder so they can be together? Well, what she does is she'll, like, go out to a bar and, like, find a guy and, like, take him home. And then she, like, leads him to this, like, mm-hmm. attic room, which naturally. And then Frank will, like, kill them. And then he gets – he's like the mummy. He gets stronger with every person he kills. But is he in a relationship with his brother's wife? Yes. Ah, uh, see, so there's, there's a little piece of intrigue. There's intrigue. And then his, his – his brother's daughter is sort of the one who's like figuring it all out. Honestly, it's I, a family affair. I had saw Hellraiser for the first time maybe like two, three years ago, and I remember the whole time being like, "Wow, this is not at all what I expected it to be." <laughs> it's insane. So David S. Goyer, who wrote Chris Nolan's Batman franchise, he wrote Marvel's Blade trilogy, he wrote the upcoming Terminator Dark Fate. Goyer always to me is like, he's been sort of like a hit or miss screenwriter to me. Like, he'll write Blade 3. You mean Blade Trinity? (laughs) With a bow and arrow that's half as hot as the sun. Um, 
if you were one percent as hot as the sun, you would burn alive. So Ryan Reynolds is in the movie. Um, yeah, no, I mean, why not? It sounds like the past few weeks we've talked about some like weird horror remakes from yeah. people that you wouldn't expect to make weird horror movies. And I love it. Like if you if you're a closet fan, it's time to come out and just make your movies. Pinhead has been such an iconic like horror icon. I, I'm going to watch these movies. Yeah. I won't say when. Okay. But by the end of the year, I will watch at least one wow. or two Hellraiser movies. Somebody remind me to ask you about this. Sure. I'm just putting that on the listeners. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, we have no more time for news because we have to talk about this gigantic disappointment of a sequel that mm-hmm. I have never written more notes for a movie. Wow. Than Ooh. this movie. Okay. Um, you ready to talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. Guys, this is a reboot of the Lost World Jurassic Park. Life will find a way, as you once so eloquently put it. And by now we have a complete ecological system on the island with dozens of species living in their own social groups without fences, without boundaries, without constraining technology. And for four years, I've tried to keep it safe from human interference. Well, uh, that's right, that's right. I mean, hopefully you've kept this island quarantined uh, and contained, but I'm in shock about all this. I, I mean that they're... Still alive. Uh, you bred them lysine deficient. Shouldn't they have uh, kicked after seven days without supplemental enzymes? Yes, but by God, they're flourishing. That's one of a thousand questions I want the team to answer. Team? What do you mean, like with people? Yes. The animals won't even know they're there. Very low impact. Strictly observation and documentation. Don't worry, yes. I'm not making the same mistakes again. No, you're making... You're making all new ones. That's not what the music sounds like, even. (laughs) I know. It's a completely different score. It's a bad version. It's just so dumb. Well, apparently John Williams wanted this soundtrack to be different. And so, because it takes place, I guess, more in South American than... Anyway, Costa Rica. he added like new drums, there's bongos, but it it sounds just like the mod squad. It sounds like <laughs> it's, bad. it's not good. The Lost World Jurassic Park, directed by the shell of Steven Spielberg, <laughs> the director of the good Jurassic Park movie, stars Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm, Julianne Moore as Dr. Sarah Harding, Vince Vaughn as Nick Van Owen, Pete Postlewaite as Roland Tembo, and Arliss Howard as Peter Ludlow. I know what you're thinking. Wait, isn't Richard Schiff also in this movie? Yes, he is. That's what everyone's thinking. But... How dare you leave Richard Schiff out? West Wing alum. uh, But we decided on these five characters because of who they represent in the story. Which is bananas. Because this movie really feels like four different movies. Mm -hmm. The first movie is Dr. Ian Malcolm having to go back to the island to save his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And then it's the team discovering that... InGen is taking all the dinosaurs off the island, but then it becomes a survival movie for the for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes King Kong for like 20 minutes. Yes. So how did you go about casting this movie? Because we were talking about like this sequel as it is doesn't work. Yeah. So we have to put our screenwriter hats on and mm-hmm. fix this thing. For once in our gosh darn lives. <laughs> you hear that? Hollywood. <laughs> okay. So here's what I did. Um, because one thing I don't like about this movie is that Malcolm and Sarah Harding are dating. I don't like that. And they don't even seem like they know each other or have seen each other in years. I don't like that. 
Because we start at this point where Dr. Malcolm is like, he he goes to meet Hammond and he's like, you know what? Not only am I not going to do this, but I'm going to call all these people that you're sending there and tell them not to go. Like he already has a fire lit under him to be like, nobody's going back to this island. And so then when he finds out that it's his girlfriend who inexplicably just left to go to this island is part of the team. I was like, how? Like. It is like a it is like a ten gallon hat on top of a hat. Like right. we just don't need, we don't need that. I know what I'm doing. You guys should definitely go. I love you. I just don't need you right now. I'll tell you what you need: uh, a good antipsychotic. I'll be back in five or six days. No, you'll be back in five or six pieces. What bothers you is that I'm not afraid of this place, and you are. And so I just took a different look at some of the relationships in the movie because I can't stand when people fall back on a romantic relationship to be a B story. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. Right. Like, in the book, they are, like, they dated, but she's sort of a rival, right? So, like, they're not really on the same story track. I read the plot synopsis, and here's the thing. So many things were changed for the movie in a way that makes absolutely no sense. So the book takes place four years after Jurassic Park. Ian Malcolm, who dies in the first book, in the first book, um, the, he teams up with a scientist, Richard Levine, to search for a lost, uh, quote-unquote, lost world of dinosaurs because they find all, all strange bodies, bodies washing yeah. up onto uh, the shores of Costa Rica. So then they find out that there's such a thing as Site B, which is in the movie, which is the place where they would make the dinosaurs to send to um, Isla Nublar. Isla Nublar is the first island, yes. which translates to Cloud Island. Yes. Isla Sorna. Sorna translates to Sarcasm Island, according to Google Translate. <laughs> Which, ugh. So maybe this whole movie is a fucking joke in itself. So they go, so Malcolm, Levine goes to the island because he wants to save the animals. The Costa Rican government is going to destroy the animals. Once Malcolm finds out that Levine is gone, he says, no, 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 you're in danger. I'm going to go get him. While they're there, they find out that there's another group on the island that is going to the abandoned engine buildings, but it's not engine who is trying to like take the DNA to the, it's just another group, which it's again, bi- I was bio like, something because why would engine be trying? <clears throat> Anyways, the thing is there's a story in the book that I'm like, this makes sense, except for the part where there are children who are his research assistants, the doctor's research assistants. Yes. There don't need to be children. There shouldn't be any children. There don't need to be children. And no children in this movie. No children, um, please. I read this quote on the Wikipedia page and I, sw- I promise guys, we'll get into who we're recasting and, and all of that. But Michael Crichton, who wrote the books, um, had never written a sequel. And so he was interviewed and he was quoted as saying this quote, a very difficult structural problem. He's talking about making a sequel, uh, has a quote, very difficult structural problem because it has to be the same, but different. If it's really the same, then it's the same. And if it's really different, then it's not a sequel. So it's in some funny intermediary territory, which I think is absolutely true for not only this movie, but essentially all the movies that we're going to be doing this month. Yeah. And I think you basically, like, when you're writing a sequel, you have to go down a path and decidedly stick to that path. And I don't think this movie did that. No. No, no, no. It was it was a mess of a bunch of different ideas, probably a lot of cooks in one tiny little kitchen, mm-hmm. tiny home kitchen. <laughs> and On a hibachi grill. <laughs> cook it, just cooking right in front of us. Yeah. We didn't ask for that, but we're watching them do it. 
And it's not good. It's not good. Who did you cast as Dr. Ian Malcolm? Okay, so I, I made a choice to essentially not make this character Ian Malcolm. I want to separate this movie from the original. Forget the characters of the original. The connective tissue that keeps the original moving is Hammond and the dinosaurs. Okay. That's what I want. You got that, America? <laughs> I said that very forcefully, like I was yeah. mad at everybody. Um, really, I'm just mad at, at uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, so what character did you create? So I just, I mean, it's essentially who he is. It's a Malcolm archetype. Yes. As because here's the thing. I don't believe Jeff Goldblum is the lead of this movie. Malcolm is not a lead character of a movie. He is the funny aside. He is the person who is speaking the voice of the audience in the first movie. That's what he is. He mm -hmm. is not the, he's, he's no Sam Neill. Enrique, that's not Enrique. No, no, not Enrique. It's Ian Malcolm. Are you on the boat? Enrique? No, is this the boat? Uh, we're on Isla Sorna and we need to find, we need to talk to the boat, Mar del Plata. I just put him away. And so the woman I cast to be the lead character scientist, I picked, and I, I went all out with my cast. Yeah, you should. I picked Tony Collette. I love Tony Collette. I do too. And I thought hard about using her in this moment and I liked her for it. She's extraordinary. She's wonderful. Um, she, she could play all the dinosaurs and I'd be like, yeah, this, this, she's nailing it. Big Tony Collette Stan. Well, that's interesting. Like, I, I, I agree with you that Ian Malcolm is not the lead of this movie. He shouldn't be the lead of this movie, but, um, I didn't know that we could just dump characters. So, so. I mean, we make the rules. We do make the rules. But I love Tony Collette, um. Has she done, like, a big blockbuster? Either way, if she hasn't, really. she'd get me... After Hereditary, Yeah. no matter what you do... Oh, she's also in a small role in A Heart's Beat Loud, which I was like... Yeah. She did this, too? She just, Fuck. like, did it. Yeah. yeah I'm in. Remember I'm, The Sixth Sense? Yes. Look, you got, you got Tony, my ass in the seat. Tony, be in my movie. You got my ass in the seat. And I think what's interesting about... Well, Ian... In the original, right, mm -hmm. is the sarcastic voice of reason yes. that is constantly trying to tell Hammond what you're doing, you can't control. Yeah. You don't realize that this isn't just going to be some park where you can sell hats and fucking waffle cones and kids get to go on, like, fun safaris to see dinosaurs. What does he say? The difference is when people ride Pirates of the Caribbean, the pirates don't eat the tourists. <laughs> yeah, like... This version of Ian Malcolm is just Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. There's really no point of view other than, like, um, the only thing I could glean from is, like, he's somewhat of a survivor of a horrible accident, of, like, of an incident that's claimed the lives of four or five people, and he, like, tells his tale and no one believes him. So he's kind of made... Like a kook, which yes. I don't think, I don't think it would affect him in a way that it, that we see Malcolm now, who's just sort of like. He's terrified. He's terrified. And he's also like the worst father in the world. Like he somehow has forgotten that he has a child because she just sort of pops up in this fucking movie. Oh, Kelly. Um. Oh, Kelly. So I, what you just said is absolutely true. Ian Malcolm should not be the main character of this movie. With that in mind, I had to think really hard about what is the sequel going to be. Because yeah. I think the most successful sequels are, like, part two of anything, mm -hmm. are ones that say, like, we're going to take a much different take than the original. Like, Terminator 1 is a horror movie. Terminator 2 is an action movie. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Aliens. 
Now, I was watching this movie, and I was like, this is essentially Fallen Kingdom, which was also fucking terrible. So, like, the idea of, like, taking the dinosaurs off the island to, like, do whatever with them, I was like, I've seen that done, and it still doesn't work. Yeah. Well, we had seen it done (laughs) in this movie. So, I was like, two strikes. I don't want to do a third strike. So, I really focused not on Ian Malcolm, but on another character who's there for a different reason. So... I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Okay. My Ian Malcolm, I thought as, like, in the first movie, he's this sort of, like, rock star scientist, voice of reason. And now, you're right, like, he's not the lead of that movie, so I don't need to really worry myself about picking a lead of this movie. Because in my version, he's less of a lead as well. Okay. Okay. I went with Justin Theroux, who can deliver this sort of sardonic... Uh, voice of reason, like, he's sort of the audience's view of, like, what's gonna go down. Uh-huh. But he's not necessarily, like, my f- focal point. Yeah. I'll just say it right now, because you really seem confused about what I'm talking about. No, I'm not confused. I I pictured this movie as Roland Tembo is the sort of protagonist. Oh, that's not what I was expecting. But he's, like, it's it's sort of like... American Psycho. Like, we're following the villain, endangering oh. the lives of all these people on this island. Okay. And so... Interesting. None of this shit about, like, why would they open a park in San Diego? San Diego is the perfect set. People already associate our beautiful city with animal attractions. San Diego Zoo, SeaWorld, San Diego Chargers. Why would you do this in San Diego? Like, Where's SeaWorld? San is Diego. in San Diego? Yeah. Isn't Legoland in San Diego? Today? Yes. Come on. But it's like... Number one parks. That <laughs> logically doesn't make any sense. Why would you put dinosaurs on the fucking mainland? Yeah. If they couldn't... If you couldn't do it on a safe island, why would you put it on the mainland? The moral of Jurassic Park on the whole is people never learn. Right. I mean, it. yeah. All right. Um, but I think that's a really fascinating direction you're taking us in. That ultimately, Ian Malcolm is not... He's just, like, we just don't need to worry about him being a main character. Right. Okay. I'll I'll accept that as a direction. My pitch for this whole thing was just, like, there's a site B. There's all these wild dinosaurs on it. So, like, instead of this, like, weird plot where, like, InGen or Biomech or whatever company is trying to, like, steal the IP from the island... What if it just became, like, this urban legend? Like, there's now this lost world of dinosaurs mm-hmm. that you can go at your own risk to do something. And they're like, oh, well, we'll go and document them. Like, we'll we'll do, like, this island will make strides in, like, the fields of paleontology. Yes. And Ian Malcolm, like, goes because he's the only one who, like, understands what it's like to, like, confront these, mo- like, these monsters, these, like, creatures. And then there's this guy who's there to just hunt them. And yeah. he constantly is trying to endanger the lives of everyone on this island. And I was like, that's more interesting. There's sort of this, like, horror movie aspect to it, which I think this version tries to do, yeah. but doesn't really do great. Let's move on to Dr. Sarah Harding, played by Julianne Moore, who I did find to give... A, I think everyone gives a great performance. It was just like, what they're given is just like, what is happening? Julianne Moore whole, did this movie to pay for a divorce. Yes, I clipped that out. She literally did this. She she said she that. said it. And here's the thing: I don't like that she's the, she was this character was made to be a woman because she was supposed to be a love interest who needed rescuing, and then you find out oh she doesn't need rescuing. Like right. And her whole introduction is so like it fell short of like Spielbergian magic. 
Right, she's there taking pictures along with them, well, and they don't like, even notice her, like, 20 feet it's away? It's trying to do the Brontosaurus thing again. Stegosaurus. Oh, yeah, no. the Stegosaurus moment it's is the Brontosaurus. It's supposed to be yeah. doing the same thing, but that it's just not there, and it's not earned, because the whole time we're, like, stressed out because Jeff Goldblum is like, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a mistake. This is magnificent. Oh, yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and, and screaming. The brontosaurus moment in the first one is the first reveal of dinosaurs in the wild. It's the first yes. shot where you see them as these giant thunder lizards and the music swelling. And <laughs> You just said thunder lizards. Yeah, that's what they used to... That was like a nickname for dinosaurs, right? Oh, where? Thunder lizards. Massachusetts. <laughs> you, number one in education? Yeah, thank you very much. You're right. Kentucky's like 50, so <laughs> so I didn't learn about thunder lizards. I had to learn about dinosaurs from the land before time. The Brontosaurus is called is nicknamed Thunder Lizard. By whom? Wikipedia. <laughs> the the word Brontosaurus means thunder, thunder lizard. lizard. From oh, that's Greek. fascinating. And this moment, like we know they're dinosaurs. Yes. So you can't build to that moment. It's no longer, exactly. like, we know what dinosaurs There's are. also literally a moment where it's like somebody has to be like, remember, there are velociraptors on the end. Like, like somebody had to, like, the most deadly creatures on, Earth. not just, like, the this island, but Earth are the most deadly hunters. And they're like, ah, you know what? It's going to be fine. It's like lions. Guess what happened to Mr. Clever Girl in the first movie? Nobody remembers it's a clever girl um okay so in my weird bizarro version of this movie which Let's hear it. uh you know i'm fine with ian malcolm and sarah harding have had a relationship okay but i think you're right like we don't need to have them try and have chemistry that's not the point of this movie mm-hmm. i did pull from the book i liked how she was sort of like a competitor like an engine competitor someone there who's you know Maybe she had a, a, a hidden agenda, basically. Okay. So I picked an actress who recently I kind of dogged on for looking like every other actress in the world in all of okay. her photos online. But I ended up picking um, Rebecca Hall, yes. who I do think is a good actress. Yeah. Um, and I do think that she can play these like more complex women who they, they kind of had some other motives. Like, in my mind, every character on this cast has an ulterior motive. Yeah. On the island that would like somehow chain reaction with each other and cause so many deaths and so many lives to be eaten. So that's who I went with. We don't see her as often as we should. No. I think she's really wonderful. Yeah. I think she could do this. Come on, scientist. Yeah. Um, who'd you pick? <laughs> um, so my direction for Sarah Harding, if you're following along, Tony Collette is a different character for me and Malcolm. I wanted to generate a different sort of relationship for her to have with the person she goes to the island to sort of retrieve. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be great if Sarah was her sister. Oh. And that it was a family affair. Everybody's a scientist. Everybody's parents are real proud. And that is what compels her. Because here's the thing. A call would suffice. Like if if... If the person who's the main scientist who they're like, you're the one we have to have come to this island and they're like, nah, fam, I'm not trying to die. Uh-huh. That's the new dialogue. That, 
um, that truly like a call to be like, you shouldn't go either would suffice unless it was her sister. Mm, yeah. And that there's been this like sort of relationship where like they love each other, but they're still like, you know, younger sisters, like the one who always takes too many chances. Yeah. She's a bit of a rogue. If you wanted to rescue me from something, why didn't you bail me out of that fundraiser at the museum three weeks ago like you said you would? Or, or why not rescue me from that dinner with your parents that you never showed up for? Why not rescue me when I really need it? Actually, be there. Oh, uh, this is a slightly different situation. So for that character, mm -hmm. I picked Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Me too. Fargo, Scott Pilgrim. She in Clerks 2? Ten Cloverfield Lane. Ten Cloverfield Lane. What a great fucking movie. Final Destination 3? Mm -hmm. That's a deep cut. Death Proof? But she's, she's only in it for like five minutes. Wonderful. And I would love her to be a scientist in my movie. Just lots of stuff. So lots you, of female scientists. That's all I want. Just to be clear, your version of Sarah, mm -hmm. the younger sister, the one who's still reckless like this Sarah is. Yes. The thing that bugged me is like Sarah turning off her radio. Yeah. It's like, don't be that stupid. Like, you're not trying to get away. Like, you're literally on an island with like fucking monsters. Like... And there were, like, little things that I was, like, truly, you, like, and this is written into the book, but I'm like, would they be so stupid as to take an injured baby? Tyrannosaurus Rex? No, you would not. You no. would be like, say la vie, circle of life, this thing's gonna die, too bad, so sad. You leave that thing there. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't So dumb. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, has there ever been, like, a sister relationship in Jurassic Park? And then I was like, Jurassic World? Yeah, but Fucking, that's crap. So let's yeah. do it right. Because, you know, my girl Judy Greer is left out of the action. Judy Greer tells Bryce Dallas Howard that she doesn't understand life because she hasn't had kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I like this new dynamic. It's, it's sort of like, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Jurassic Park 3, which I admittedly like. And anyone who tells me that it's worse than two needs to no. get their fucking head checked. Because here's the thing. Jurassic Park 3, actually scary, much better story, much more cohesive, and it just accomplishes so much more yeah. than this crap. And it has new dinosaurs that you're, yeah. like, more afraid of. It has, you know, the pterodactyls. It has the spinosaur. Like, people hate on Jurassic Park 3, and I'm like, it is the best sequel that's been made. Yeah. Anyways, that's my whole rant. Let's move on to Nick, Nick Van, Van Owen, Owen, played by Vince Vaughn, Vince who Vaughn. got in this movie because Steven Spielberg had to watch an early screener of Swingers to approve a, a Jaws theme song that appears. Yeah. Or a clip of the movie. And he saw Vince and Vaughn. He saw Vince Vaughn get out on that diner, that diner table at, I think, Cafe 101? Or maybe it was Fred 62's. That's a little L.A. <laughs> trivia for you. Um, and was like, this, this guy. This, which, honestly, I like Vince Vaughn in this, and I like him in movies like this. And it's fascinating that his career has taken so many other twists and turns. <laughs> I know. The thing about Nick is, like, he comes in as, like, this hotshot photographer, which is kind of funny. But then in the middle, it sort of turns out that he is, like, Hammond's right-hand man the whole time. Yeah. And was like, what are we doing here? Like, what is going on? And like, why does... I don't know how they attempt to, like, get us to try to trust him. Because he comes in real hot being like, here for the paycheck, guys. Like, was it Greenpeace? Because it's all women. But now I'm here to make some money. And so I'm like, okay, do we like him? I was with Nightline. I was in Rwanda, Chechnya, all over Bosnia. Thanks. Do some volunteer work with Greenpeace once in a while. 
Greenpeace. Uh, what drew you there? Women. 80% female Greenpeace. Nice. Noble. Yeah. Well, Noble was last year. Pretty sure I'm getting paid. I don't think so. I don't know. I wish I had gone back and watched the original because, like, the character structures of each one of those characters are so well done. Like, from Sam Neill to the kids to, to yeah. um, Laura, Dern. Laura Dern and and Samuel L. Jackson. Like, even, like, B.D. Wong, you're like, I don't trust B.D. Wong. And then, like, later in the series, you're like, oh, I definitely should never trust B.D. Wong because... Yeah. Like, 30 years later, you're like, <laughs> oh, B.D. Wong, I knew it. <laughs> but this one is just like, yeah, I think because Vince Vaughn is so, like, Vince Vaughning, you're like, you're not, you're not sure, but... It's your pick. Okay, so I am just going to say it. I went for my Nick Van Owen. I went with Lakeith Stanfield. I was so close to casting Lakeith Stanfield. Really? Yeah. I enjoy watching him so much and think he has an incredible range. Because every time I'm like, okay, this is his kind of movie. He does something completely different. And I'm like, you're great. Yeah. Because I was watching Someone Great, which is a Netflix rom-com that he plays. um, Oh, my gosh. What's her name? Gina Rodriguez's uh, love interest. Love interest. And there's a point where I was like, I mean, maybe he could do this. No, he's he's great. And I was like, oh, he can just do it all. And so I I love the idea of sort of making him the this sort of like default helper character. Yeah. Because that's the thing is ultimately he does prove himself useful at many points. Yeah. And I think if we sort of throw him some quippy lines, he could be some 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 comic relief. Yeah. It can be a little bit of fun. That was my pick. That's what I like. I like that. I mean, I love Lakeith Sanfield. Um, I think for that version of this character, yeah. Like something about Nick from the start was just like he he really seemed once he was on the island to really care for the animals. Yeah. There was something about him just being like a photographer. He's like there to document. He releases the dinosaurs back out into the wild. Like he stops engine's plan to like take all these dinosaurs back. And he's like constantly asking Tembo for the gun because he's like trying to like stop him from killing anything. Yeah. And I sort of like that part of him. And I think Lakeith kind of has that sort of pacifist in him. Somewhere on this island is the greatest predator that ever lived. Second greatest predator must take him down. Yeah, he's right. If he doesn't surrender, yeah. <laughs> the animal exists on the uh, planet for the first time in tens of millions of years. And the only way you can express yourself is to kill it. When I started really digging into Nick for me, mm-hmm. I wanted someone who maybe could be a little more like world weary because like Nick says that he was in like Bosnia and Chechnya and all these sort of like yeah. war countries. So I was like, wouldn't it be interesting if Nick was a veteran of war oh. who had like seen death? And then decided that, like, he would, I was going to make, I'll make the pun, that he'd rather shoot life than shoot life. Oh, okay. Would trade in his rifle for uh, a a Nikon. Nikon? That's a camera brand. Oh, yeah, they name drop Nikon. Hey, is Uh, that a Nikon? (laughs) Yeah. And what I, so I I ended up picking uh, Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight and Bird Box. Mm -hmm. Because he's a little more muscular and... Uh, he seems like he could probably have been a soldier of some, some kind. Yeah. And I like, I wanted someone who could be sort of a voice of like, we shouldn't be killing these animals. Like we should be here to document them and like, let them be. And he's a little more formidable, I think. So like when yeah. I mean, he never really gets into a fight with anybody, but like in my version, maybe. But he does get aggressive at certain points. Yeah. I like, I like this. I like this little brainstorm we're having. Like yeah. who are, what are the, what can these 
characters be other than the other than this utter crap that they are now? I worry that we're not actually talking about this version of the movie because it's so bananas. Like, sucks. The scene where Kelly, this little precocious girl, uh, just sneaks on and she's like, "I'm I'm wanted to make dinner for everybody." I'm done with but, Kelly. Like, what dinner was she making? There's like orange peels everywhere. There's fucking YooHoo bottles. What dinner does this child know how to make? And then at the end, she saves her dad and Sarah with the, her phenomenal gymnastics routine. And I was like, where did this even, come from? She didn't even make the tape. I know. And I completely forgot that they, like, dug into this person. I was like, Ugh. man, this movie needs a change. It's really a matter of people loved kids. People loved kids in the first movie. The kids were a nice touch. No. No. We don't need that. Lex and Tim appear, and we're like, oh, yeah. And then we get Kelly, and we're like, what is this? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I wanted her to die, like, ASAP. I don't even know this woman. Well, what are you talking about? It's Karen. You've known her for 10 years. She doesn't even have Sega. She's such a troglodyte. Cruel, but good word use. <laughs> All right. Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Roland Tembo, played by Pete Postlethwaite. Postlethwaite, yeah. Who, uh, you guys, this is like a character actor extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. He's in so much stuff. R.I.P. What stuff? I don't remember, but he's in a lot of it. Dragonheart. Dragonheart. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> this character I really like. I think he is objective. I think he's specific. Mm-hmm. He's interesting to watch. It's like they put more thought into sort of a side, not villain, but just side character. It doesn't make sense. He, I think, had the best introduction of this character of, in this movie where he's like, I don't care about your money. Yeah. I don't care about your fees. All I want is my trophy. Yeah. And that's sort of where I built my church for this, my version of this movie. Yeah. You went all in on yeah. Roland. What, what, I still kept him because I do like the sort of trope that exists in the first movie and in this one of there being a dedicated sort of hunter, of there being someone who's like very aware of the dinosaurs as animals. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of wanted to keep him that way, but still keep him as this sort of mysterious character. Like we get nuggets of truth from him that are really straightforward but otherwise we're like who is this guy how did they find him and why why is he here now Mm -hmm. to do this whole thing also i love sort of the last bit we see of him where he's just kind of like i'm done do what you will with it i got what i needed yeah um so i picked jeffrey wright yeah uh, another Westworld. Yes, another fantastic actor who I think could give a really stoic performance. <laughs> yeah, something that would be very difficult to read. But mm-hmm. I like that. I like that for Roland. Yeah, Roland. You don't hate Roland. No, you hate his earring. You don't hate <sighs> Roland. But he has like a place. Like it's so. Yeah. It was so interesting to me that it's like. These movies are about man essentially bringing a species back to life or many species back to life. And then essentially here comes another character of humanity who's sent to destroy it, who, who right. realizes like animals are put on Earth so humans can kill them. Right. Like for sport. All I want in exchange for my services is the right to hunt one of the tyrannosaurs, a male, a buck only. How and why are my business? Now, if you don't like either of those two conditions, you're on your own. But I've been on too many safaris with rich dentists to listen to any more suicidal ideas. Okay. With Jeffrey Wright, yeah, like when he's on screen, he, he could be a man of certain principles. Yeah. So. I think I think this is his wheelhouse. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so I've already sort of pitched you my version of this. So this is the star of your movie. This is the star of my movie. This is your star of The Lost World Jurassic Park. And he's not exactly a hero. I picked Daniel Craig. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Mr. James Bond. Who, you know... Uh, I said weird, not that Daniel Craig is weird, but weird that you picked Daniel Craig and I picked Jeffrey Wright because they're, they're both, both in Casino, James Bond. They're both in Casino Wright. Or is Jeffrey Wright Spectre? He's, or? Yeah, he's in multiple because he's like his like CIA counterpart. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Felix. Yeah, Felix. Wow, that is weird. Sometimes our brains are on like <laughs> wavelengths that don't make sense. Sometimes we're like two velociraptors clicking back and forth, ready to pounce on an actor. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I just I just thought that like Daniel Craig is the kind of guy that gets people to see the movie. Yeah. Like the idea that like, oh, Daniel Craig is going to like hunt dinosaurs, this could be interesting. But then the movie is really about like sort of a metaphor for like people seeking the death of other yeah. creatures ultimately with you know, they themselves would become dead. Like in my version, yeah. Tembo will die on screen. He won't just ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Um, there'd be a little more conflict between him and the ca- other characters. What if this is how you launch your franchise? Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. So Daniel Craig plays Timbo. Everybody leaves the island to take the dinosaur with him. He decides to stay on the island. Stay with me. Mm-hmm. And he wants to live on the island and make his life about hanging out, hunting the dinosaurs, controlling populations. Everybody's still with me. Then the next movie takes place many years down the line, and Daniel Craig has, like, full Colonel Kurtz himself on this island. And it becomes them returning, and they meet old Timbo. He's like, he's like Robin Williams in Jumanji. Jumanji. That's how I kept... (laughs) And, And they run into him, and he's like... He he's like become a velociraptor. I love that. I actually was kept thinking about Robin Williams' dad in Jumanji, like the guy who's yes. like relentlessly hunting Robin Williams. Yes. You know what, Kenna? You sold me. Listen. You sold me on my own movie. <laughs> now you gotta write it. <laughs> Let's move on to Peter Ludlow, played by Arliss Howard, the InGen creep, the InGen like head. The, it's basically he's he's. Hammond's nephew, nephew, yes, cousin to Tim and Liz, Lex, Lex um, who make a brief appearance in this movie. And when they show up, when you're like, "Oh my god, he met the kids," yeah, and then the kids are just gone, they're just off. And I was like, "It's such a shame that the original cast wasn't in this movie." Yeah, they they didn't at least make appearances. Yeah, because like, where is Sam Neill? Where's Laura Dern? Are they together? Apparently not. In three, we we find find out out that they're not. But yeah, it's just like, it was a bummer. Which, that's another thing. Sam Neill is in the third movie. Yes. That's what, listen, that's what this movie is missing. Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Sam Neill's 2-0 in Jurassic Park movies. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so this character is essentially our villain because he is the one revealed to be like, we're taking the dinosaurs back to America because we've got some money to make. What does Jeff Goldblum say to him that's like, on the long, sad, tragic list of bad ideas, this is at the top or something like that? Something like that. Hammond's reach exceeding his grasp. Mine does not. Taking dinosaurs off this island is the worst idea in the long, sad history of bad ideas. And uh, I'm going to be there when you learn that. This plan is dumb. I'll say this about the plan. 
I like the storyline of trying to bring the dinosaurs to America. I don't think that that's a bad idea. It's a bad idea in the world, but I don't think it's a bad idea story-wise because it does seem natural that they're like, why don't we just bring a few here and we can make a spectacle of it and we'll figure it out. Why did they bring the Tyrannosaurus Rex? It's a great question. They should have brought the Vegisaurus, am I right? Should have brought a Triceratops. Which Everyone was, loves a Triceratops. Apparently in the, in the trivia I was reading that there is – Debate amongst the paleontological community, I said that right probably, <laughs> that the Tyrannosaur is not a predator. It's a vulture. But a vulture. Yeah. And there are like all these reasons, but one of them is that its arms are too short and it's not very fast. Yeah. And so they're like, how does it catch its food? It can't literally like grab anything. <laughs> well, it has the it has a giant fucking mouthful of teeth, so I'm sure it could latch on to something. True. So here's the deal. This might be my weirdest pick of weird picks i did like having an in-gen representative in my movie yes however instead of him bringing the dinosaurs back i think this version of ludlow would be determined to make site b a new park okay like he was going to make where his uncle failed he would succeed this would be this would how he would like show that he is heir apparent to the in-gen company. Okay. But he's just really, really, you know, not that a character's dim-witted, but like in these Jurassic Park movies, what really works well is when a character constantly makes bad choices. Yes. And that's what I think a cast for like a Jurassic Park movie always needs is the villain always makes terrible choices. Choices based on greed or yeah. self-interest. And so I ended up picking a very strange choice. Um, I picked Steve Coogan. Okay. Comedian slash dramatic actor. So Steve Coogan. This is interesting. I wrote down his dramatic roles, but he's in Stan and Ollie with uh, John C. Riley, And then he was in Philomena a couple oh. of years ago. But he's, he's also creepy. really funny. Yes. Like he is tremendous. I mean, we all saw him right at the museum. Yes. So, like, I like that idea that, like, you can have a villain bring some comedy weight. Like, yeah. that you see him not not as, like, an, an idiot or a fool running around, but that, like, he's really out of his depth. But with still all of the passion of someone who has, like, corporate greed. Yeah. That is a wild choice. Yeah. But you know what? I'm on board. I mean, can you imagine Steve Coogan being chased by dinosaurs? I can, weirdly. <laughs> and it's, it's out there. So, yeah, that's who rounded up my cast. I will say this. I agree with you. Here's I, I said before that I, I don't mind the dinosaurs coming to America. I think that's a different movie. Yeah. I think in this movie, that's a great idea that if the purpose of InGen being a presence there is to just somehow preserve what they've created, then I think that should be the story. Like, we don't need them to come to yeah. America. And so I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this character just having, having that corporate greed mindset of, I don't care how many people die, this is valuable, and so we're yeah. going to find a way to keep it for ourselves. Yes. There aren't any versions Thank you, of the truth, and I'll tell you something, InGen can't keep spewing out. InGen is my responsibility now, Doctor, and I will jealously defend its interests. Your responsibility? What about Mr. Hammond? It is our board of directors, which I must look in the eye, not my uncle. Really, you must trust me. These problems of yours are about to be rendered moot. In a few weeks' time, they'll be long forgotten. Another small story point, and then I'll, I, I want to hear who you picked. But, like, Site B, 
was where they developed the dinosaurs and then they would move them to site A. Yeah. But there didn't seem to be like any existing infrastructure to site B. Like there were no roads. There was one building that had geothermal power, so it like never needed an electrical grid. Right. It was all on the other island. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. No. It do- I mean, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, I didn't write the book. <laughs> so. um, okay, so for my Ludlow, I picked Rosamund Pike. Mm. Maybe a weird choice. No. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think – I think it's a logical choice. I like her as a villain, and I would really enjoy her sort of budding ideological heads with my other big players. This is weird. I don't know if you're going to believe me, but I – Almost picked her for Harding, for Sarah Harding. Why wouldn't I believe you? I don't know. <laughs> you said maybe the this uh, maybe might be that was maybe that's more for the audience to be like, yeah, come on, Brian. But like, I think we're on some weird wavelength today that that's freaking me yeah. out. Yeah, freaking me. Out. Our cycles have. <laughs> we're insane. <laughs> Rosamund Pike. Here's what's interesting. She is so good in Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. But then she, like, disappeared. She actually gone-girled. And then she, like, showed up in this... <laughs> She's like, gone-girl. She showed up in this other movie where she plays, like, a war correspondent. Yeah. And I was like, this is... I mean, she looks like a complete character transformation. I mean, she she pretty solidly only does indie movies, which... Uh, weird flex, but okay. Because you were in, like, one of the biggest movies of the year. Yeah. Like, four years ago. But sure. She's a great actress. She's yeah. she's really talented. I just don't understand why she's not in more stuff. Yeah. Put her in a big dinosaur blockbuster. Yes. Get her in there. Come on, prestige actors. Let's I, do some dinosaur. That's dinosauring. what I liked about our picks as we've rounded out our, our picks here. Yeah. I like how we tried to pick some prestigious kind of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I look back, like. I mean, it's Jurassic Park, baby. <clears throat> I think that's the key. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like it. Oh, boy. We have so many more notes to get to, guys. It is not good. But it's now time for Where Does Barry Pepper Go? So, where does Barry Pepper go? I'm curious if we made him the same person. Well, I'll tell you who I made him. I picked Dr. Robert Burke, the cowboy doctor. Oh, did man, you, I forgot about him as a character. The cowboy doctor. Did you make Jeez him, Louise. Who somehow was, like, knew everything about dinosaurs, but, like, uh, he, like, this is got such, a snake on him and freaked out and ran straight towards a dinosaur. Like, this is such a great movie trope of, like, we were here first. And then, like, these other people show up and they're like, well, we don't know much about science, but we brought a scientist. And the guy <laughs> is, like, kooky in some way. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Did you make him Eddie? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I He's a good Eddie. He's a good Eddie. And you were so mad that we weren't going to do Richard Schiff. I think in my you mind. threatened my life. I think in my mind, Richard Schiff would have just been Eddie. I wish you had made him Kelly. That would have been really ballsy. <laughs> Kel- Kelly's not in my movie. No. Bye, Kelly. Peter uh, Stormare's in this movie. Yep. We Yeah, we never even got to him. His death scene took four days. <sighs> I was like, why are we still here? I'm like, can we get a bigger dinosaur to kill him off? Ugh. Isn't it crazy? It's like it's not scared. There haven't been any visitors to this island. There's no reason for it to fear man. No, sir. They're really pushing these tiny little lizard dinosaurs. Oh, there's brown face in this movie? Wait, what? There's an English actor who plays an Indian character. Oh. 
Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. The character's name is Ajay Sidhu, and he's played by an actor named Harvey Jason, an English actor. So there's brown face in this movie. You don't need that. Just literally cast any of the billion Indian actors. Oh, well, they're not all actors. <laughs> but like, any of the billion. Everyone in India is an actor. A billion, there's a billion people in India. One of those act, any number of Indian actors could have played this role. Um, I think this movie feels like it's a part of another movie. It doesn't feel like a whole movie. It feels like you could stick core elements of this movie just in another movie and we'd be fine. Yeah, like you could you could take part of each section of this movie and really dig into moments and build a movie around them. Mm-hmm. But when they're linked together like this, it doesn't make sense, which is strange because it's written by uh, David Cope, who is a, a very well... Let's he wrote the original movie. He wrote the first one. David Cope, a writer of Stir of Echoes, the Spider, uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man, the first Mission Impossible. Wow, like, look at him. Jack Ryan, the Jack Ryan series. Um, Indiana Jones and, and the, the Kingdom, Kingdom of, of the Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull. Yeah. This poor man. I know. Every time he works with Spielberg, it's just like not, War of the Worlds. I mean. Oh, I like War of the Worlds. I like the first. Sue me. First Panic hour. Room. Oh, Panic Room is like, a good movie. He, he wrote, he wrote The Mummy? Oh, the new mummy. Yeah. Oh, I was like... He definitely did not write the only mummy. <laughs> but I mean, like, he knows how to structure yeah. a movie. And this just feels completely Sometimes disjointed. he forgets, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I was wildly bored at most of the action scenes. Yeah, it's not an interesting film. No. And then um, somehow I felt like the CGI was worse in this movie than it is in the first one. Which I think is hard to do. It seems on par, and you're like, this is four years later. Yeah. What are we doing? Very strange. All right, we've kind of dogged on this movie, but I think think we solved what this movie should have been. Mm -hmm. Do you think either of our versions of this movie could work today? Yes. As evidenced by Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. Right, like I was going to say, I think it could work, because ultimately... What we're doing in the new Jurassic Park series also sort of doesn't seem to have a real vision. And so if we just sort of went back and started playing off of the original movie, I think what we have pitched, I especially <laughs> love this notion of Daniel Craig leading leading a sequel, really like a sequel uh, uh, arc. Yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this week of The Boot. If you like this episode, please check out our other episodes. Please stay tuned for next week. We got another terrible sequel that we're going to dissect and get into. It's going to be a really fun month, guys. Check us out online. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and review. That's the best way to help us out. Please help us out. You can also find us now on Ko-fi where you can go to make a very small donation just to help us keep making this amazing podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram or you can follow us separately because sometimes it's okay to like one person more than another. At Kenetrant and at Flynn B. Okay guys, we'll see you next time.
many Sarahs do you think are on this island? 